0: This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm.
1: Timer. Welcome to the Kickin' Life Podcast. Your host, your truly kicking life guru, Master Rich Grogan. Hey, as Rocky says, nothing hits harder in life. It's not about how hard you can hit. But how hard you get hit and keep moving forward, how much you can take and keep moving forward. And that's how winning is done. And I want you to be a winner. I want you to be your very, very best. I want to inspire and motivate you to believe in yourself. So when, not if, but when life knocks you down, you get right back up with that confidence that I can take on more, I can do more, and I can live my best kicking life. All right, so buckle up, saddle up, here we go. Kicking lifers out there. Happy day to you, whatever day it is. Hope the day is going great. And as we always talk about, you make the choice. And that's a simple choice. Simple for me to say. I realize it's not easy. I just want to let you know that, you know, there are days when I, uh, I don't want to get up and do this today. I don't want to get up and do that today. I fight those battles every single day. So I want you to know it's simply a choice. I choose to get up and I tell you the reward is I feel much, much better when I do. And something I've started, I kind of got out of the pattern of doing it, was my own personal exercise. I would go and obviously work out at the studio and teach some classes and but I got wrapped up with the business aspect of it which is important you got to do that in order to pay the bills but slowly but surely my own personal training had slid by the wayside and once it starts sliding baby it's hard to get it back and you just have to make that personal choice to say look I'm going to stop this thing and I'm going to start off now the key to that is there's no way to pick up exactly where you left off. If you do that, you're going to defeat yourself and because you're not going to be able to do what you once could do. And I used the example last week about maybe you used to be able to bench press 300 pounds. Maybe you used to be able to do 100 push-ups. Well, it's not that your body's forgotten how to do it. It just needs a little reminder. But if you try and do it all at once, you're going to burn yourself out and you're going to be no better than you were when you started here. So take things slow. Now, a perfect example, I started getting back into a little running routine. And I hear it all the time. Well, I can't run because I got bad knees, bad hips, bad this bad that. You know, I get that. But once again, you're going to either settle for excuses or find solutions. I've had nine knee surgeries on my right knee, totally reconstructed three different times. I got pins, bolts, plates, and everything else in there. And I know there's people out there well worse off, well worse off, listen to me, far worse off than I am, but it's just a conscious choice. So what I did was went out and bought a good pair of running shoes, got up 630 and kind of walked To the end of the block, jogged a little bit in between, but slowly but surely progression. And now the push-ups, I was always pretty good at that because I still do that at the studio, but I pushed myself a little bit more, a little bit day in and day out. And my last guest last week, Kyoshi Dave Kovar, talked about take care of the day's And the weeks, months, and years will take care of themselves, meaning small little steps each and every day for bettering your life as you move forward. Because as we know, the years are going to come and go. They truly are. But what you do each and every day is going to determine how good those years are to you. So yesterday I got a chance to give a uh, speech at the Edgewood Police Department Youth Academy, and I've done that for about 15 years now. I'm always excited when uh, they ask me to be a part of it, simply because, well, I enjoy doing those things, but it's a chance to interact with teenagers, especially the teenagers that have uh, a vision of being in law enforcement and taking a step out from the norm and doing something different with their life. So I always like giving them what I call, you know, my tagline there, the right hook of reality, and dropping a hammer on them, and pretty much letting them know, listen, You've grown up in an era where everybody gets a trophy. Some agree with that, some don't. I don't agree with it at all. I simply don't agree with it because you're conditioning kids to just show up and they're still rewarded. Well, they get out in the real world, that doesn't happen that way. One person gets a job, one person doesn't. You know, one person excels and one person doesn't. I was even told yesterday after talking to a couple different police officers that um, uh, they've got friends that own their own businesses on a number of occasions, 16 and 17, even 18-year-olds show up for a job interview with their mom. With their mom, I'm like, now it's okay, I guess, if mom drives you and drops you off. But if mom goes in for the job interview, what the heck? Come on, now, you got to take a stand here. You got to be assertive. Yes, as parents, we want to protect our kids and help them out. And as Chip Townsend, who was on a couple weeks ago, talked about, no, we don't want our kids to get hurt by any means. However, the only way they're going to learn to pick themselves back up is if they fall. Now, I'm not saying go and push your kids down and say, hey, get back up. But I am saying let them experience life. Let them go through and, you know, have a few failures here and there. It's, it, as long as it's not life-threatening, they're going to learn how to recover. They're going to have to bounce back. They're going to learn how to pick themselves up. Not if, but when life knocks them down. So anyway, I gave them a big old ride right hook of reality and talked about habits. And the title of the speech was being a successful warrior and developing those habits through day in and day out patterns to become your absolute very, very best. And a little thing, and I've shared this with you before, but it's worth repeating. Good habits are hard to make, terrific to live with, but very easy to break. Where bad habits, they just happen. I mean, it's like without even knowing it, bad habits just creep in And once they're locked in, they're extremely, extremely difficult to live with and even harder to break. Now is that fair? No, I didn't write the rules. I'm just telling you the truth here. There's your ride right hook of reality. So the good habits, yeah, if you don't stay with them consistently, they're going to break, and those bad habits are going to take their place, and it's going to be very, very difficult to break those. So anyway, for the last two weeks, I've been really disciplining myself a lot more than I I have in the past. I'm a fairly disciplined guy, but I knew I could push it a little bit further. Getting up a little bit earlier, really diving in more and more to my motivational apps and quotes and YouTube channels and video blogs and all the things that I try and do to acquire as much knowledge as I can to pass that on to you to help you live your best kick in life. So getting up and going for that little walk turns into a jog slowly but surely, little bitty baby steps. And I tell you, it, it's, it's been really, really good. I'm feeling good about it. But I want you to know you still, every single day, you fight that battle. That alarm goes off. And the song that I have programmed on my phone when the alarm goes off is um, If Today Was Your Last Day by Nickelback. And I listened to that thing. And that song, you know, if today was your last day, what would you do? How would you live your life differently if today was your last day? Would you go all out or would you just sit there and sulk about it and let the day slip by? Now, I don't want you to live with morbid thoughts of thinking today is your last day. I want you to live with positive thoughts thinking, you know what, I'm going to go out with a bang here if it is my last day. I'm going to give everything I've got, and I'm going to enjoy this to the very end. I'm going to spend time with my family. I'm going to spend time with loved ones. I'm going to send that text or that email or that phone call to people I haven't talked to in a while that I really care about. Oh, but the old excuse comes up, and I'm just as guilty of it. Oh, I don't have time. I don't have time. We do have time. It's a, what we prioritize, what we focus on. If we spend two hours, three hours on Facebook looking at garbage, well, that could be a time when you could call four or five people or text four or five people just reaching out. And here's the thing I promise you'll get out of that. You're going to get much, much more by doing that because you're going to feel good about it. You're going to make them feel good about it, and that's that endless cycle we always talk about. You motivate and inspire somebody else just by saying hi, just by reaching out in a phone call or text message or email. You're going to get it right back. And that's that law of attraction. What you focus on magnifies. You throw out there, you try and attract good, you're going to attract more good. You throw out negativity, guess what you're going to attract? More negativity. Okay, so that's the message you've heard me talk about many, many times, but I wanted to share it with you. It's kind of a big part of the right hook of reality that I shared with the Youth Academy yesterday. And, man, I tell you, with teenagers – It's it's kind of funny, and I told them, look, when I was a teenager, I was just like you. I knew everything about everything about everything, and I'll tell you what, I was so freaking smart that I knew everything all the way into my 30s, and then I found out, man, I didn't know anything about anything. I was a complete moron, so I shared with them, listen. If you can learn that lesson far quicker than I did, you're going to achieve a level of success far beyond your wildest dreams and imagination. But you have to check your ego. Check it and realize that you don't know everything. And uh, I told the teenagers, the reason I'm here with you today is because you you guys know everything and I want to learn something from you. And of course, one teenager said, well, if you don't know anything, why should we listen to you? I said, that's a great question. I said, I'm listening to you because you know everything and apparently you do. That's why you asked that question. So the answer was to that, look, you don't want to listen to me, that's, that's definitely fine. I was just like that. I didn't want to listen to anybody either. But all that did was inhibit my growth and keep me from achieving a level of success that I wanted. Now, I'm not anywhere close to where I know I'm going to be. But I'm continuing at this age to self-educate, surround myself with positive, motivated people, surround my peop- my, my people, surround myself with people that know what I don't know. And you have to admit, sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. And how you find out what you don't know is go to people that know what you don't know. Are you able to follow that progression? Okay, all right, well, good stuff. Uh, on today's show, it's a little reverse here. I've got a really, really good friend of mine, and he's also on uh, he's the host of the Cowboys podcast that I'm a part of as well, and I was very honored and grateful that he asked me to be a part of the Cowboys podcast. I've been a Dallas Cowboy fan since birth. Matter of fact, the first Super Bowl I saw was Super Bowl 12 when the Dallas Cowboys beat the uh, Denver Broncos. And the very next year, and I grew up on a farm, some of you know that, and uh, so it was either I was going to be a cowboy or a Bronco because I loved riding horses, but I was definitely a cowboy back and forth. The Cowboys won, and of course, you know, the star and being a cowboy, it was kind of a no-brainer. But when Roger Starback whooped up on uh, uh, Morton there, I think it was Morton, anyway, whatever, in Super Bowl twelve, it was decided. And then the very next year... The Cowboys played against the Steelers in Super Bowl 13, and now that's why the Steelers are not only an arch rival for the Cowboys, but a team that, you know, Steeler fans out there, uh, I want you to keep listening to the show. But we've got a rivalry going on. I am not a Steeler fan at all, and one of my really good friends, he loves the Steelers, so we have a friendly little battle there. But um, that's where it all came about. So, a quick little recap there. Anyway, the gentleman on the show, he's got two other shows here at Lineup Media. He's got the Ocho Man, and he's also got the Armenian Show and you hear me talk about battling through persevering and not giving up and then making a conscious choice to make your life better well this gentleman's a prime example of that because he had the deck in a number of ways stacked against him just coming to this country and but he's made a choice to look, I can do better than this. I can do better. My parents laid the foundation. They gave me everything I got here, but I'm going to make the choice not to make excuses because my parents came from another country. I'm going to fight through. I'm going to battle through and I'm going to achieve success. Even though others may laugh at me, others may think, well, what are you trying to do? This is who you are. No, I know who I am and I'm going to be the best person that I am. And without further ado, I want to introduce the host of the Cowboys podcast many other shows and a good friend of mine and I'm so grateful that we've reconnected I actually met uh, this gentleman first in high school so it's been a few years since we've been out of high school and that is Mr. John Okabengi and
0: John I'll say hello to everybody. Rich Rich thank you so much for having me on the show man I mean uh, it's a it's a motivational type of show that I I, I love and uh, I I put it in my car and you know what it makes my day go lot lot better lot a lot of Emotional upside to the show. I, I've told you that in the in the war room out there too. Yes, you have it. I'm very grateful for that, uh,
1: John. And we have uh, great discussions with a lot of different things. And it's uh, and John will ask all the time, "How do you stay so upbeat, so positive all the time?" And I'll tell you, it, it's it's a it's a choice. And it wasn't always like this. I was always a motivated and positive guy. I thought for the most part, but these last five years I've reached a level that I know is just the the pinnacle of where I can go with this thing, and that's through those years and years and years of continuously trying to better myself, and it's also about flushing out all the negativity that's out there, because your mind can only occupy so much, there's only so much space up there, if you flood that mind with negativity, is what you get from social media, the news, and you know, I talk about CNN, it's it's, a constantly negative network just flooding your mind with garbage, well then that's what you're going to focus on, but if you put a gatekeeper as anthony robbins says at your mind there and i'm only going to allow in positive thoughts now it's not easy i'll never ever say it's easy it is a simple choice but it's not easy just like getting up every day early and making a choice to exercise or to do something to better your life you have to take that first step and um uh, we actually in the war room johnno we were just talking to cromer right. uh, out there there's a difference between sayers and doers Sayers say doers do
0: <laughs> i i think i i think though rich uh what you put out, what what you preach, I, I'd like to i like to back the tape up a little bit. Sure, buddy. I mean what what gave you all this motivation? Because I remember you in high school. You were the little guy, I mean uh we'd accidentally bump into you, you'd fly to the locker and then you'd <laughs> have a little <laughs> smile on your face. <laughs> Folks, what you see from Rich right now, if you know Rich, Grogan, is the same way the guy was back then as well. It's not just uh, one of these guys that tries to sell you a DVD or a CD or something like that. What you're getting from him is uh, really down-to-earth type of guy that uh, he's never changed. Now, my question to you, and uh, this is why I wanted to be part of the show, is how do do you get motivated? And uh, let's say people out there... Well, let's let's go first from day one. Okay, after after your high school. Yep. Wh- where did you go? Well, um, and, and just to kind of back that up with a little more background, I uh,
1: was never the very, a very big person. I mean, I'm. If I stand on my tiptoes and I spike my hair up, I could probably reach 5'8", but uh, 5'8", and uh, in high school, goodness gracious, I may have been 5'5", 5'6", so I guess I've grown a couple (laughs) inches since high school, but it was like 110 pounds. So I always had the Rudy philosophy, and that was ingrained from my father. And a lot of that, I look back now, and I never had the best relationship with Dad growing up. Uh, Now that I've matured a little bit, and I tend to understand what his point was, he did the best he could do with what he had. He didn't have the best childhood, and then he was in Vietnam, which I think For years, he was still in Vietnam, mostly through my teenage and 20 years, uh, even though he'd been back home for 20, 30 years by that time. Anyway, the point was, he was a strict disciplinarian, and growing up on the farm, you know, the the shoveling poo out of the barn, baling hay, and then milking the cow, uh, it was all about there was a lot of responsibility put on to me, and his thing was, he was going to he knew the world was rough, so he was going to give everything he had to make me be, I guess, a, a man or tough enough to put up with the world. So, with that being said, I always loved sports. Baseball, football, and hockey were my three favorite sports. And uh, I gave everything I had. And I talk about the Rudy philosophy because that was kind of, I watched that movie to this day and still tear up and cry. Um, and anyway, so I always wanted to give my absolute best. And I know there's a choice. Choice to be whining, complaining. And the thing is, I had a mental rule. Never, ever lay on the ice. Even if you're hurt badly, never lay on the field. You get your butt up. I don't care how bad. If you can walk off the field, then you walk off the field. Now, if you need to be stretchered off, that's a different story right, if you're unconscious. Right. But don't you dare lay there and draw negative attention to yourself. My dad always said, look, uh, sissies, whiny, cry babies." Now, he was harsh. He said other words, too. They lay there, and they want that negative attention. They want that sympathy. They want somebody to say, oh, poor baby. No. He said, you want you want attention, you make it on your own terms. You want attention, you make it by standing out, by working
0: harder than everybody else because the
1: world's going to kick you in the teeth. And that's that's kind of where it all developed. So even in high school, definitely wasn't a very big person.
0: Well, well let, let's stay on that course right there, too. Do you think that when you were in high school, it's now become a little different, though? It's become different to where you got social media. We didn't have internet. We didn't have the cell phone that could do 2,000 things. <laughs> uh I mean, it's now a point to where this kid, this Rich Grogan now, after he gets abused at school, get, gets pushed around and everything, a little guy, now it follows him when he goes home, it's on the internet, it's, uh, they're, they're hounding this kid through Snapchat or this and that. It's changed, though. Uh, I, Rich, it's 100%. it's much more difficult than how your dad perceived live, hey, pick yourself up and move on. I mean, this kid now goes through much more than what we went through. Uh, John, you couldn't have
1: uh, hit the nail square on the head there. And it's something I talk about all the time, especially when I go give um, speeches and presentations and seminars to teenagers, middle school and high school. Now, here's the thing. Their minds are no more mature than your your mind and my mind was when we went through that. That's just adolescence and that's development. That hasn't changed. But the problem is the amount of n- impact on that little brain is overload. Meaning, you know, we get pushed around at school, like you just said, or maybe you're dating a girl and you break up on a Friday. Well, you know what? Old days when we were in school, by month, by the time Monday rolled around, everybody forgot about it. It was over.
0: Yeah, we now, punch out uh, oh, at three oh, p.m. and that's it. That's it. And then we see each other again at eight. 8- 8 a.m., and we'd do the same thing. And, and for the most part, it was forgotten about. Now, you know, if you got
1: a situation with uh, uh, bullying and stuff, unless you take a stand, that's going to happen. The difference, though, is now, Friday, you punch out, like you said, at 3.15. By the time you get home at 4, you have been blown up on social media with uh, the Snapchat, the text, the emails, the post on Instagram, and all the other things, on what a horrible person you are. Nobody likes you, and it's that extra pressure and impact on their little brains. And like I said, their mind were no more mature or are no more mature than our minds were but now they're dealing with so much more and that's why the teen suicide rate continues to to escalate now the cell phone and we've all become accustomed to it we, we i don't know for the most part we're addicted to it because that's how we get work done but the same token is you're putting too much power in the hands of kids that don't have the mental capacity to handle it. I mean, it's the world we live in today. It's a society we live in. So the best thing, parents that are listening out there, you have got to be proactive with uh, checking your kid's device, talking to them. Now, And, and yes, life is busy. We're all caught up in the hustle and bustle. But I'm telling you, the one or two minutes you take to sit down with your kids there, either look through their phone or just discuss instead of the old, uh, hey, how was school today? And what's the teenager going to say? Oh, it was fine. Okay, great. And you get back to work. I'm telling you, I'm guilty of doing that in the past, but I'm more focused on it now simply because I know the dangers that are out there. And uh, we, yeah, we had stressors, but we have nothing
0: compared to what's going on nowadays. Right, right. I definitely see your dad's mentality not as effective as it is now to where uh, your method is much more uh, positive on a kid's life because your dad was like, hey, brush yourself off. You can brush yourself off and yeah. you, you can move on and you, this is the way it is. This is the way my dad has taught me. But right. now well. you're you're on the message of, hey, you know what? Talk to me. I want to be your friend. Yep. I want to be your friend. Well, and, and John, you couldn't be more accurate there. And
1: I, I ref, often refer to that Johnny Cash song, uh, A Boy Named Sue. A Boy Named Sue. That was kind of Dad's mindset and mentality. And and be honest, we did not have a good relationship for the longest time. One of the earlier podcasts I talked about having my first cup of coffee with Dad, which was just a few months ago. And he was always the – just built, I guess, conditioned that armor. wall, That wall. And that was I'm never going to let anybody in – Therefore, I know I'm never going to get hurt. So I don't open up to any weakness. Therefore, I'm tough enough. And he kind of built that wall around me. Now, the other side was when he was finishing his his, uh, his tour and his duty, like uh, a tour of duty there, I was uh, – raised with my mom, her two sisters, and my grandma. So I came up watching, uh, I guess it was Jane Fonda and all the aerobic tapes and this and that. So I had that, I don't want to say feminine side, but definitely that softer side. And then dad comes home and he sees his son who's been raised by four women, which there's nothing wrong with that, but is like, holy cow, I've got really got some work to do to toughen him up or he's going to get destroyed in the world. And pretty much like the song goes, the boy named Sue, uh, dad became an over-the-road truck driver. So he knew he wasn't going to be around much and he needed to be the man of the house. So we kind of went overboard to find that balance, if you will, to counteract, you know, I guess the aerobic or the feminine side. But now that I found years later that that was actually a pretty good balance, and I taught aerobics for 15 years, which was great. Drove my dad nuts when I first started doing that, but I had the martial arts side of being the tough guy, if you will. So it was kind of that yin and yang balance. During
0: so, that time, too, Rich, were
1: you trying to get his approval? Uh, John, you couldn't have said it better, buddy. Um to this day, it seems like I'm still kind of – I'm getting better about it, trying to get Dad's approval. And I know that's tough. I've uh, just hired a new uh, success mentor, Mr. Chris Widener, and he actually did some stuff with Jim Rome and Zig Ziegler. And on the application I had to fill out – Filled that out in our first conversation. That's what he brought up about trying to get dad's approval. Now, the reason for that was uh, I never felt I was good enough. So I always wanted to strive to be better. Always wanted to work to be harder. And dad kept pushing that on me. And a a thing that's really memorable is when I got a little bit older, he stopped coming to my, my games. He never really came a lot when I was younger. And I never understood it. And I would say, Mom, why doesn't dad come to my games? I'm trying hard. I'm trying hard. And it was simply his own insecurities of being around people that made him feel bad. He always his own insecurities passed on to me that he was never good enough. Now, I never knew this until just recently, which I'm glad I've uh, figured that out now. But uh, I remember one instance we, uh, uh, in a hockey game, we lost four to three. I had a hat trick. I'd scored three goals. I was freaking feeling good about how sad Beautiful. that we lost yeah. but I was feeling really really good and the truth be told I had a breakaway late in the game and I uh, hit the goal post I would have tied the game so anyway dad's well how'd you do and he was always just dad so did you lose your butt I said well no dad we we lost four to three I said but I had a hat trick and I could have tied the game I said but I hit the goal post uh, you know but we've got another game I'm feeling good about where we're going and he says well I guess if you had scored four goals you wouldn't have lost And left it at that. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. What was deflating at the time? Because I didn't understand it. But his whole mindset was, look, check your ego. You know, you are a team. You're not an individual. If you would have played better with your team, if you would have done more of this and thought of the team over yourself, maybe you would have tied the game and won. So I, I see that now. I did not see it as a teenager. So I guess I'm bringing this up to our listeners, kind of let, you know, my foundation, my background and where I'm coming from, but also dads out there, because I was more than a little hard on Austin, my son, growing up. And I look back as like, I should have been more motivating. I was, I had a balance, but I wasn't as good as I could have been because of kind of the deep-seated thoughts. As in
0: what though? As in how how do you, how do you, uh, how do you bring that up? I mean, uh, as in more, uh, more like your dad or much more open? Well, and, and I, I often say I try and have a
1: little bit of the uh, the yin and yang, the balance. And those that don't know, the yin and yang is the, the opposite. It's the black and white, all the dualities of the universe, hot, cold, fire, water, soft, hard, man, woman, all that. And the middle line that separates that, if you look at the yin and yang, is the perfect balance between the harmonies. So you're not too hard, you're not too soft. When you take a shower, it's not too cold, it's not too hot. It's the perfect balance. And so I try and combine the uh, hard style of dad... But then also the understanding side of, I mean, my wife's been a great example of kind of uh, uh, mellowing me out. I don't say mellow me out, but just making me realize, and she'll say this, and she said it often, and this is not a shot at my dad. I love him more than anything, and he did the absolute best he could do with what he had. And now we've got a really, really good relationship, which I'm so very grateful for. But she would say, are you acting like the father you want to be, or are you acting like your dad? Wow. And, yeah. I mean, it, that was a right hook reality right there. And it, it was what I needed to hear because I always wanted to push Austin to be his best, and I still do. But I go about with a little more positive approach right. now. And now Emmett, my third our third child, and uh, he, he's my, Emmett, my son, um, I'm, I'm definitely a little, lot more reserved on him as I continue to self-educate. Now, and my daughter in the middle, I think she's tougher than both of them, uh, which she needs to be. She's a good-looking girl, and uh, she's got two brothers on both sides of her there. Uh, but her, the approach with hers is a little different. Now, John, the big point I want to make is it was not an easy choice for, for me. It wasn't easy for me to do it. I had to – I was always positive, but I knew I could do better but I didn't know what to do. And that's kind of, I tell the listeners all the time, the last five years is when my life really transformed to a much, much higher level. And that's because I started reading. You know, five years ago, I didn't know I could read. I, I guess I could, I got a degree, but I, I just didn't take the time to do it. But reading, listen to audiobooks, and I've read over a hundred books and listened to thousands. I mean, I don't know, two, three thousand hours of audiobooks, YouTube messages, attended countless conferences, and it's all about putting the right things in my mind to know I want to get better. That's the self-education. Without doing that, I wouldn't be doing this podcast right now. Without stepping out and saying, I know I can do better, but I don't know how to get better, well, I'm going to surround myself with people that are going to make me better. So example with uh, Austin, before it would be – you know, work hard and come on, quit being such. And I never called him a sissy, but it it was insinuated because he wasn't pushing himself. And as he's like, hey, you're pushing him down. I said, yeah, but life's tough. Life's going to knock him down. He's got to get going. And I've always had that philosophy and that attitude. But now my approach is so much better uh, in regards to encourage, motivate, inspire, but still, if, you're, if you need a kick in the butt, I'm going to give that to you too, as opposed to just giving the kick in the butt. I'm going to do all the other things to kind of lift up as opposed to drive back down. But
0: you're also giving that kick in the butt as a friend, as someone that he looks at as a friend and as dad, not as sure. just a a, a a figure that's going to be – the supreme figure, like you know, the the dad wow. figure. So th- that's that's kind of different. If he has your trust as a friend, and that that's the I think that's the big thing right now. From back in your era, you didn't have that friend. You didn't have right. dad being your friend, and uh, it, it kind of made the wall on both sides. Uh, he had a wall up. You had a wall up. Your wall was trying to always trying to break down his wall and uh, the the way you were with other kids and everything, it kind of always led to how you and your dad were. I mean, you were always living for your dad back then. Now, I think now you've seen that. You want the kid to be his best, her best. And I think uh, the, the terms have changed a little bit. And society has changed a little bit. Absolutely. To where it's not that... That old school, that old uh, leather belt, I, I, I don't think that that's uh, part of our agenda now. I, I think you have to blend in what your wife's bringing to the table, too. Yeah, and we're a, uh, an excellent yin and yang balance. I mean, 100%.
1: Matter of fact, we're co-authoring a book, and it's the Yin and Yang of Parenting. You know, both approaches to help produce the best uh, kids. And and Jono, I, I tell you, listeners out there, I think we got another show for Jono. It Could be the uh, therapist show here. I mean, this is awesome, buddy. Well, Thanks do. for bringing Thank that you. out. Thank you. Um, but I often hear uh, people say, "Well, you could, you can't be your your kid's friend." Now, I, I'm on both sides on that one. If you're their buddy all the time, then it's hard to be the parent. However kind of with the yin and yang philosophy, I think you can be both. You can be a friend, a consultant, listen to, you know, and, and connect with them in any way, shape, or form, but also let them know that you're still a parent and you're going to make decisions based on their best interests, whether they like it or not. But you have to balance that out. Right. So if you're too hard, then you can't don't have that connection. If you're too soft, then you don't have that disciplinary structure where they're going to listen and make right choices. So right. it's definitely a balance, and that's difficult. But you have to establish that line. And what I mean by that is if they don't trust in you, just like you brought up, Jono, they're not going to share with you when they're in danger, right. when they're having trouble, when they're having problems, when they're having suicidal thoughts or anything else that's going on in their little minds
0: as teenagers with all the social media impact. Or just hurting other people, too. Yep. I mean, that—that's you're seeing a lot more of that, too. Now, what I wanted to cover with you, Rich, was uh, how did you get into this martial art? How, what What made you... It, was it something in your mind? Uh, you you were secluded. You said, This is the way I escape everything. Uh, well, growing up on the farm there, um, I, I just,
1: with the sports and everything else, I was still always a, I don't want to say an outcast, but we dad always called the my friends the city boys. And, we, and to be honest, we'd have the city boys come out and do a day of chores on the farm. And, um, you know, and dad always had a hang up with the quote, quote, city boys because he. I guess it was part of his childhood. Yeah, he grew had up to on be. a farm, had to be. and everything else. And he always worried me, running around with the city boys, doing things with the city boys. And it was all about a mindset. And he could tell right away about complacency and lazy might be a strong word, but it was all about you know a lot of the kids didn't have chores at all. So they'd come out to the house, and here I am up you know in the morning shoveling poop and baling hay, feeding the animals, and uh, milking the cow, and all these other things. Well, they didn't want to come back, which I guess I can't blame them. But it hurt me because, like, Dad, I'm trying to fit in. And he, even, he never said be yourself, but the message was delivered. Now, it took a long time for me to get that message about be yourself. But um, to answer your question there, I was always in sports, baseball, football, and hockey. And I had an opportunity. I loved Bruce Lee, Chuck Norris, all those things. And there was a guy that was teaching at the church we attended a, a martial arts summer camp. So I went there. My grandma's actually the one that took me there, and I just fell in love with it. It's like, oh yeah, because I was always a smaller person, and I loved Bruce Lee, Chuck Norris, all those guys. Right. So I wanted to uh, excel. Now, at that time, had no knowledge of how that was going to help me with the mental side, the emotional side, help me uh, excel at sports. I just all I knew was I wanted to be Kung Fu Panda, which you guys often call on the Cowboys podcast, which is awesome. Uh, but, I call uh, you Bruce Lee. Too. Bruce Lee. <laughs> That's all I wanted, and and that's what most kids that come into martial arts today. That's all they think. Hey, I want to do these flying kicks. I want to be a Power Ranger or superhero or Kung Fu Panda. So that's where, I guess, the big emphasis I try and push now and instill in the kids at the studio is we have karate fun with martial arts values. It's got to be karate fun for the kids, but yet just as importantly, to balance that out, it's got to have the martial arts values of manners, discipline, respect, body control, confidence, courage, the belief in yourself to overcome fears and adversity and challenges to be your very, very best. Now, that's a lot, but we ingrain that in. We kind of sneak it in with the kids. You're not even realizing it. We're having fun. We'll say, "Guman," which is an all-stop. Tree at attention. And the kids immediately go to attention. They put their shoes side by side, nice and neat. They say, yes, sir, no, sir. They give mom and dad a hug and a kiss after every class, but the most important part of the Karate fun is they know that not everybody gets a belt, not everybody gets a trophy. You have to put forth your best. Now, we set them up for success with everything we do, but they know they got to work for it, and that's ingraining that mindset is I'm not getting anything for free in this world, but we do it in a much better manner of, you know, suck it up, buttercup. Get up, you big wimp, you sissy. That That was kind of how I was brought up. And I'm not saying that was wrong. I'm just saying with today's culture, there's a better way. Right. And that better way is every once in a while, people do need a kick in the tail, that right hook of reality. But I think if we help them by inspiring, encouraging, and motivating, and setting them up for success, as opposed to you either do this or you fail, you know, it's one or another. Now, I'm going to set you up now. However, if you don't do your best, you know, we're going to have to work harder because you're not going to get your belt this time. Instead of saying, if you don't do it right, you fail. That that's that's not good, and that's something that I've learned with the people I'm surrounding myself with now. I've always felt that because I never liked the old the brow beating or the get up, you stuck and uh, you know suck it up, buttercup, all those things. I never liked it. It did motivate and inspire me, but it always motivated me like, man, I could probably do better than this. I didn't know how, but that's the big transformation, I guess, from high school on up through.
0: So uh, so now you're in uh, martial arts. Uh, you've taken liking to it. Mm-hmm you're you're getting uh you're getting your belts you're you're achieving you're moving up what's what's it in you right now that's saying i want to go do this now take it to the next level take it to the next level uh, you're moving along now
1: sure sure moving along and uh that was i guess it was eleven years old when I took my first martial arts class or maybe i was ten this turned eleven over the summer one of those but uh moving on up through the ranks and I continue with that for a number of years but um It was one of those, unfortunately, I was the only one of the peer group that I associated with that was doing martial arts. And I'm still doing sports. And, uh, you know, my mom was a saint. She used to run me to, you know, any hockey moms out there, holy cow, the utmost respect. (laughs) Because hockey was never a school sport at that time. So it never had really any engagement. We used the school name, but it's not like we could just stay at the school and do practice like baseball and football. We actually had to go to the ice rink. And it was usually uh, late at night or early on a Saturday morning or whatever the case was. So a lot of work for mom there. But I, I actually stopped martial arts for a couple of years in high school there because I was going to be a pro hockey player. That's what I was going to do. Well, that never manifested, and, that, and that's okay now. I did cry for a while when I realized it wasn't going to happen. But uh, life life does what life does. About 18, 19, I got back into martial arts with uh, uh, an instructor I have now, and he, was, he had the dad mentality. So I was already used to that. He pushed, he pushed, he pushed, but yet he would do something that dad uh, – i don't say wasn't able to do just didn't have that connection he was able to also talk to me as uh hey this is the reason i'm doing this and that helped out tremendously moving through it also helped me understand my dad a lot better too which was a a good thing i bring that up because i could have been you know what i hate you dad you you're uh that you don't care about me you don't care about this now i'm not saying i didn't think those thoughts I feel horrible about thinking them now, but you can't control your thoughts. But you can control the actions that you take on those thoughts. And uh, I look back now and I feel guilty for even having those thoughts. But My wife always says, hey, everybody has thoughts. Move forward, learn from it, and, and you'll be a better person for it. And that's where I'm so thankful today that I chose to kind of do some research, to self-educate, to be a better person. Now I understand, Dad. And the biggest thing, not only to understand my dad, and, yeah, I guess uh, mindset, uh, I still want to do things to please Dad but it's moved on because I chose to move on. I chose to find out why. And why I did that was, what I do is I wanna inspire as many people as I can. I wanna connect with people on a level they understand. But that just doesn't happen unless you do the research to figure it out. I always felt your best communicators are the ones that can connect with their intended audience, regardless if it's a four-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 20-year-old, a 50-year-old, 80-year-old. You connect your message on a level that they understand. And that's communication. That's connection. And you're going to learn just as much from them as they learn from you. But it's not something that comes easy. You have to work at it. But that's my purpose, my mission, my why. And I've dove everything I am into that. And that's, that's kind of my whole goal is to communicate better. Right. So you found inner peace with your dad. Yes, sir.
0: Through martial arts yes, as I well. Did.
1: Well, and uh, up until about two years ago, and I've told this story numerous times, my parents still thought <laughs> Richie played karate. Up until like two years ago. And uh, uh and that was just their thing. Richie, are you still playing karate? Or somebody asked, How how's Richie doing? Everybody called me Richie growing up. Oh, he's he's still playing karate. Um I guess uh, what was it? A year ago, we had uh, we bought the building we're in now. We did renovations, and uh, we actually own the building and the lot, which is pretty incredible in Edwardsville. Incredible, really is. And we uh, also won Business of the Year this past year for Small Business Excellent. of the Year in Edwardsville. And we've been in business twenty years. So anyway, I had Dad come, Mom and Dad come to the open house, and I walked them around the studio, showing it to them. You had to be proud as hell. Well, this is the the proudest moment. I'm getting goosebumps here. I walk them outside, and it's it's night, and the signs all lit up, and I say, Hey, Dad. Mom, who, who, whose last name is that? What's that say? <laughs> that says Grogan. I said, how does that make you feel? And Dad, he actually got choked up, which almost made me cry right on the spot. He goes, that makes me feel pretty good. Richie, I'm proud of you, boy. And I was like, oh.
0: You know how long I waited to hear that from you, yeah. Pop?
1: Thanks, Dad. And I gave him a big hug and a, a, a big old kiss on the cheek there, and I squeezed him. And, you know, and I got hundreds of people there, and I'm outside hugging this guy. They don't know who he is, but uh, that made me feel extremely yeah. good. It really, really did. And uh, uh, I don't know, I've shared that story a few different times, but man, that, 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 was, that touched well, my
0: heart. Well, you know what, with uh, financing and uh, businesses now folding every other week, every other month, uh, for you and your wife to take that chance – and to move forward and uh to have something successful like this god bless i Thanks mean you, it, that alone uh we talk about how's this guy named rich grogan going to motivate me well there was a time when you guys sat at that kitchen table both of you and looked at each other and said you know what we're going to be giving this up we're going to be giving that up and this may not work this may not work but we're going to move ahead and uh I guess uh, the the pilot and the co-pilot, uh, they agreed, and uh, you guys moved forward.
1: Well, and, and um, to back it up just a little bit, how uh, how the transformation happened, I'd said for the longest time in my 20s, and I, and I still had that Rudy mentality, working harder. And you know what? Anybody that does decides to be an entrepreneur and uh, pursue that path, you're going to be met with challenges. First, people are going to ignore you then they're going to laugh at you, then they're going to fight you because now you're making a separation and they feel bad about not doing more.
0: Misery likes company. you don't going right. And then the fourth
1: step, which is not easy, it's taken years, that's when you win. But you got to overcome those three hurdles, if you will. So long story short, I was um, kind of bouncing around between jobs. And uh, I went to college right after school. It, it didn't work out. My parents, and it didn't work out because I didn't know what the heck I wanted to do. And I, I was. They didn't have the discipline that I probably should have had for college because it was like wait a minute I don't have to show up the teachers the, the instructors don't care the professors don't care well pff, I'm not showing up then what the heck right. so I just kind of I wasn't a very good student matter of fact I was such a poor student that when I decided to go back <laughs> I had to make up for all the classes that I blew off so it was kind of double the workload right. but it was like hey you either put it put it up or work or don't and when I went back it was uh, I was trying to work part-time jobs or full-time jobs. I'm sorry. And attend school part-time. So it took me 10 years to get a two-year degree. But then when I was locked in, it took me two years to get my four year degree. So kind of figure that one out. But um, when, uh, what was it? I guess my last job was a Manhattan coffee. I was a coffee salesman. And I, I don't know, really got into reading motivational quotes. That's kind of tinkered around them before, but really kicked in. And the quote I read was, a man can never explore new oceans if he's afraid to leave the shore. It was 2 o'clock in the morning. Now, we've been married. Desi and I have been married for about six months. And this was February of 2000. Oh, I'm sorry, not 2000. February of 1997. And we got married in August of 96. I wake her up and say, honey, I'm going in tomorrow, and I'm quitting my job. We've talked about this. I'm doing this. And I guess she thought it was a dream because she just went back to bed. So I got up on a word processor and typed wow. up my resignation. A word processor. For those out there don't know what a word processor is, it's a step up from a
0: typewriter. Right. right. <laughs> but it's
1: not quite a computer because we couldn't afford a computer back then. So anyway, I type up my resignation. And I wake her up as I'm leaving at 4 in the morning. I said, sweetheart, I'm turning in my resignation. She goes, you're doing what? I said, well, I told you about it. She goes, I thought I was dreaming. You, you're really quitting your job? I said, yep. She went back to bed. I drove over, turned in my resignation, was back by 6. Woke her up again. I said, okay. She goes, what are you doing? Aren't you supposed to be at work? I said, I quit. I quit my job. We're doing this thing. We are pursuing Grogan's martial arts and fitness. We are starting this right here, right now. And she was more accepting then my parents and her parents, they thought I completely lost my mind because their whole mindset was, hey, you got a good job. Just be happy. Just be content. Don't try and shake the boat. You ought to just be fortunate. You just got married. You just bought a house. And, well, I don't know what the heck you're thinking about doing. And, of course, they were trying to protect me because they realized the world's a hard, rough place. And I you know, didn't do the best job of listening, but I was going with my passion. I was doing this thing. So I thought I had it all set up. I had this thing, and I got my business cards, and suddenly the world's going to come to me. They didn't come to me. So you know what? I'm going to go out to the world. Well, the world wasn't buying what I was selling, so to speak. So long story short, 1999, uh, two years later, I filmed my first exercise video, Kick to Get Fit. At the same time, Billy Blanks puts out Tybo, the whole world's Tybo Nation. (laughs) And I think, right. that's all right. Well, at first, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Then I'm like, yeah, no, no problem. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride this wave and then pass him up. I can do this. I can do this. Well, no one knew who the heck Rich Grogan was. Nobody knew uh, what kick to get fit was. It was Tybo Nation. And he you know, admittedly did a better job than I did of marketing it out there. I traveled all over the U.S., did everything I could. Austin is born, and I graduate in May of uh, 2001 from SIU. So while I'm doing this, I'm also going to college to get my degree in kinesiology. Uh, education to be a PE teacher. Austin's born in uh, uh, May of uh, 2000. I'm sorry, he was a year old. And May of 2001, I graduated from SIU. At our celebration, I announced to my wife and everybody else, we're bankrupt. (laughs) <laughs> Jesus. We got nothing. I just graduated. Now I got a crap load of student loans to pay. I've got all these videos sitting around. And we're maxed out $100,000-something in credit card debt. House was on the line. I sold my Harley to try and pay for stuff. I was tapped out. So bankrupt. A lot of crime, a lot of despair. But what can you do? You know, it's one of those. So I use that as life kicked my butt. It knocked me down. Now, there's people out there who suffered far worse than that. But I chose, you can lay there and cry about it, or I can get up and fight. Well, <laughs> got up and fight, and my parents were like, okay, have you finally learned your lesson? This is not working out. You weren't meant to own a business. You weren't meant to do this. Hopefully, you can get your job back, or hopefully, you can get another job. Well, I struggled through a sub for a couple years uh, part-time at Edwardsville, and I got a job as a PE teacher, but I pursued my passion with the business. And they kept saying, okay, well, whatever, as long as you got a stable job. 2002, I filmed three more videos, (laughs) and I'm going to do it better this time. i got a kid's video. I'm going to get out there. So teaching during the day, doing the videos at night, working at three different health clubs, teaching aerobics, being a personal trainer, and uh, uh, teaching self-defense classes anywhere they'll have me. And then giving occasional speech, but I wasn't at all good back then. I just did what I could do. I only knew what I knew. Moving through, and then I finally uh, found a place looking to open up my own uh, uh, studio here in Edwardsville. is what I wanted. Found a place that was just, well, it was an absolute dump. But Desi and I worked hard. She was always at my side, and I put that poor woman through hell and back. She is truly a saint for sticking with me. Anyway, we've got our first studio. We get it rolling. We put our heart and soul into it, and she's uh, she's pretty much my sugar mama. She's a nurse, and she's su- supporting this uh, I don't say failing, but anytime you start something where now you got rent and everything else, you know, you got got to
0: take team effort.
1: You got $3,000 going out. You're only bringing in 500 bucks a month. You know, there's a lot going out and still her parents like, why are you doing this? You could be doing, are you sure you want to do this passion? Fast forward again, 2008, I, um, I goofed up signing a lease. I'm the one that signed it. I can't blame anybody else. Um, I, I should have, I feel like I was snookered, but I'm the one that signed it. So it's no blaming there. New people bought the building we were in, and the rent went from 600 a month to 12 to 18 to 24 on oh, an accelerated wow. basis. Wow. I signed it, so it's my fault for not being smart enough to read it better. So that was my own fault. 2008, we are we can't do anymore. I can I've sold everything we owned. Our house um, had been foreclosed on. Our cars had been repossessed. We had to file another bankruptcy. Didn't want to do it. Oh my gosh, you talk about, now this time, I've got three kids. I've got Austin, Madeline, and Emmett. I swear to you, God said to me, look, big boy, I knocked you down again. What are you going to do? Are you Are going to lay there and cry, or are you going to show me what you're made of? I sat in my basement for three days, closed out a business, Grogan's Martial Arts and Fitness, and started Grogan's Academy of Martial Arts, because I was told that was a more prestigious name. Bankrupt everything I had started over with a fresh start. I didn't have the money to pay a lawyer to do it. So I sat in the basement on 2008. Yeah. Yeah. We had uh, Google and all those things back then, but it's nowhere now what we have. I did all this stuff online. Now I, I goofed up on a number of different things, which came back to bite me just recently, like in 2012, 13, that I'd filled out some paperwork wrong or this or that, but that's just part of the process. Um, and, 2008, Grogan's Martial Arts and Fitness. Bye bye, Grogan's Academy of Martial Arts started up. But I knew then and there, I don't know what the heck I'm doing with this business. Mm-hmm. I'm working my butt off, working hundreds. I mean, literally, I teach during the day. Um, from I get up at six in the morning, teach eight nine classes, go to the studio at night, teach another four or five classes, work on paperwork till midnight, go home. Eat dinner at midnight at the computer, working on the stuff I had to do at home till two in the morning, fall asleep at the keyboard, wake up at six and do it all over again. So I've always thanked thank God for being yeah, hyperactive.
0: I got to jump in though, Rich. What you're saying to me right now though, God bless because uh, you got a wife that's sticking with you, man. Because I'm going to say over 70, 80% of uh, your mates in life would have probably said, I'm bailing. I mean, the, the, they they probably would have taken off. Well, I mean, the, they're seeing a, a pattern here that this guy's <laughs> not, not not doing what what the guideline is to taking care of a family. I mean, he's doing everything he can, but it's just not going the, the right way. And right. and when you say your motivational. Uh, uh, phrases and uh, check out all these uh, sites and there I mean they're the, now let's that let's look at the guy's perspective that now loses his family on top of that too that that would have been a whole monster head right there that I don't think uh, you could have handled at that time well and I tell you the truth it was close because uh, info and her parents were always
1: supportive but they were looking out for a daughter. And my parents sure. thought I lost completely, lost my mind because I'm doing this again. And Desi was always there. Now it did take a tremendous toll on our on our on our relationship. And with regret, I wish because the the thing I still eats me today is Austin. When he was five, six years old, he would come with his ball glove. Hey, Dad, can we play? Hey, little buddy, in a minute, in a minute. He'd come back. Hey, Dad, has it been a minute yet? No, no, not another minute, buddy. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Daddy's got to finish this in a minute. Next thing I know, it's eleven o'clock at night. He's asleep on the floor, and, and here I am still typing away. And I'm like, gosh, darn it. So actually, that's going to be a part of my book that's coming out, Square Peg, Round Hole, Why Try and Fit in When You are Born to Stand Out and hopefully help people so you don't live with that regret of in a minute, buddy. And I, to this day, I call Emmett Austin all the time because Emmett's 8 years old now, and I still see Austin at that age. So that was my only regret. When you're striving for, you know, success – A lot of times, you know, other things get caught in the wake of that. Now, I didn't know what I didn't know. The people I'm surrounding myself with now, their whole thing is you were too focused, and this is true. You were too focused on being, and it's not a being a success, but on the money as opposed to on the life. And it's huge because, and it says in the Bible, if thou only seek silver, you may get it but it'll quickly fly away, grow wings and fly to heaven. And that's all about that. And it's not that I – I mean, you always want to because everybody thinks the pinnacle is I've got this, I've got that, and money is, is wealth, and wealth is success. That's totally different mindset now. And the mindset now is build the life, build the person, grow into that person. Jim Rome talks about that all the time, about become a person of wealthful knowledge And then you'll be able to, you know, achieve the wealth, the success to help out others. But you have got to be that person first in order to help out others. So
0: don't just blindly jump into something. Well,
1: you can blindly jump in, which is all about taking that actionable step. It's just that maybe uh, analyze things a little bit more. now. I've achieved a level of success now, which is the tip of the iceberg. I've got so many more things planned, but I'm doing it the right way with my family involved instead of giving them time when I don't. When I have, uh, in other words, putting everything else first and then worrying about the family. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I still have trouble with that. I still need to work on that. I'm getting much, much better because I'm focusing on it now, where before it was like, well, yeah, but I'm going to get this done first. and. It's a challenge, and my wife will tell you that it's gotten better. Well, that's signs of your dad, hard.
0: too. Yeah. I mean, your, your oh, dad, yeah, dad did his thing, it. and he worked, and uh, he expected you to just, uh, hey, be a man and do it. Yep, yeah, so. no
1: complaints. But fast forward here, it was a lot. I mean, we, I could talk about this for, and it'll be in my book when it comes out, pretty much this whole journey. Yes, there are many people out there that are suffered, have suffered and are suffering far worse than I could ever imagine, but that I can't do anything about that. That is their life. That is your life. That is his life. This is my life. All I can control, and this is what I pass on to the listeners all the time, you can only control what's happening to you. You look in the mirror and you see that person in the mirror, and if you don't like what you see, only you can change it. The economy can't change it. Society can't change it. The freaking president, whoever that is, can't change it. Nobody can change it but you. It's not easy, but I'm telling you, the reward is so much
0: better. What what about the people out there, though? that like what they see and they just can't get to that next stage that to that level that Rich Grogan was in uh, that he had to like himself in order to set forth on this journey to to make a uh, life prosperity for the family but there were there were always obstacles i mean there's going to be people that that love, sure. love themselves, and they just can't get well, ahead. And
1: then everybody's success is different. Everybody's interpretation of success is different. If um, um, Some people's success is wealth. Some people's success is just being happy. Some people's success is just sitting on the couch playing video games. If that's what you enjoy and that's the life you want, then if you're happy, who am I to tell you to change that? There are many, many times when, and even to this day, I have a ton of self-doubt because it's been conditioned in there. But I know that, you know what, when those self doubt, and that's habit forming, when those thoughts creep in the mind, I'm going to get them out as quickly as I can. Simply being, is you've only got so much space in that mind there. If it's occupied with doubt, fear, negativity, then it's going to push out all the good stuff. You've got to constantly barrage it with a, a positive. Now, to, to answer your question there, there's 24 hours in a day, there's 24 hours. In that 24 hours, some people make $1,000 in a day. Some people make 10,000. Some people make $100,000 in that one 24-hour spot. Other people make 100 bucks. It's the same 24 hours. It's how you choose to spend that 24 hours. If you spend that 24 hours on Facebook, watching social media garbage, filling your head with the news, the world's all going to hell in a handbasket. all that's gonna do is pollute your mind with negativity. Choose to get rid of that stuff. It's yeah. small, incremental baby steps. Here's the biggest reason why most people don't uh, uh, reach goals, because they don't have any goals. You cannot hit a target, you cannot see. If you don't set a goal, because I ask people all the time, hey, what did you write down some New Year's resolutions? You know what the number one answer is? Hmm. Why, why write it down because I never do it anyway? Hmm. So you've given up. So you have given up on yourself. You've got to take that step, and it doesn't mean I used to write down. I mean, I've wrote down New Year's resolutions since the beginning of time. I did go through a time where I'm like, you know what? I don't know why I'm writing them down. It doesn't matter anyway. I went through that, and I thought, why am I doing that? At least write them down. Every one of the success coaches that I visit and talk to and uh, uh, um, get a chance to attend their conferences – Every single one of them. You write down your goals. A dream doesn't become a goal until you write it down. A goal doesn't become a reality until you look at it every day and consciously work toward it every day. But if you can't see it, you're not going to think about it. If you're not going to think about it, you're not going to take action. What you're going to do is make excuses why you can't. Well, I can't do this because, because. And I'm telling you, I was a king of excuses. I made more excuses. I had excuses for things that didn't even happen yet. Simply because, well, you know, they're going to ask this, so this is the reason why. I made excuses on top of excuses. Excuses. My thoughts now. My right hook of reality about excuses. Excuses are the nails that built the house of failure. Yeah, the house of failure. Mm-hmm. Keep making excuses. Now, was it easy as flipping a switch? Truthfully, yes, but it, I mean, it, wasn't, <laughs> it was simple as that, but it wasn't easy. You had to work toward it. My thing now, and they know at the academy, don't you dare come to me with excuses. Now, I'm conditioning them. I tell them they're teenagers and in their early 20s. I'm giving you guys everything that I've learned over the you know, 46 years of my life, but especially the last 20-something years of business. I'm going to give you everything I've got because I want you to far supersede anything I could even dream of. I'm giving you the knowledge that I never had. It was there. I just chose not to accept it. So we find solutions. So they'll come to me. We had a little hiccup, uh, the other day with, um, some belt promotions and I'm like, all right, guys, we, we screwed up a little bit. We got to own up to it. We messed up. And kind of what I do is if the, uh, we have success, the team did a great job. If there's a screw up, it was my fault for not identifying that screw up. Now I tell you that because five, 10 years ago, it probably would have been different. Gosh, darn it. Guys. Why didn't, I mean, come on, you're making me look bad. That's not a leader. A leader puts his team up for success. And when it doesn't work, the leader accepts responsibility. By learning that, by checking my ego, that has been wonderful. Not only is it a better connection with the team, but it's also the buck stops here. And that's true what I've learned in Korea leadership, the leader on the end of the line. If the line's doing a great job, then the line gets the credit for being good. If the line's doing a bad job, the leader has not been a leader to help that line become its best. So that's kind of the mindset we instill right. in the students and the team members. But we find solutions. Okay, we screwed up. We did. We own up to it. We messed up. We could have done a better job. How are we going to keep it from happening again? And you're going to find through every solution is going to produce – well, not only is it going to produce success, but it's going to keep you from tempted – I mean, to make excuses. You're going to be tempted to. Well, it's easier to make excuses. Yeah, but easy doesn't always
0: get the job yeah, done. Yeah, even, even society now, I mean. Uh, it's always somebody else's fault. <laughs> well, well yeah, even when we wake up with the clock next to us, there's a snooze button. You know what a snooze button is? You keep hitting that button. Yeah. And you keep procrastinating all the time about that. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll take my 15 minutes off there. I'll take, you know, it, it's, it's part of our life. And we got we to gotta get, get that out of our system. Yeah. And it's not, and even this morning. My alarm went off. I hit the snooze button because it's tough. But
1: I tell you, once I did get my tail up, Get my running shoes on and went from I felt great. I felt really, really good. Right. And I try and you want to harness those feelings, anchor those emotions when you're done, how good you are, and use that as a tool because you're not gonna fight the battle the next morning. Oh, do I really want to get up and do this right. again? And I think about how great did I feel afterwards. And the time you have that little conversation in your mind, if you get your feet off the bed and you get up, you've already conquered half the battle. And then here's the thing that I've learned is once I put those shoes on. Well, I did the hard struggle of putting the shoes on. I might as well go for at least a walk. Right, (laughs) You defeated those small battles. But uh, my message, general, with uh, everything I try and instill is if this guy can do it, anybody can do it, but you have to make the choice. You have to choose that you want something more out of your life. You have to choose to self-discipline yourself. And that self-discipline, I mentioned this on a video blog I did not too long ago, go on a Facebook diet. Do not go for one whole day without looking at Facebook. And then try and do two. And then when you go on it, set your timer on your phone. I'm only spending 15 minutes on Facebook, and I'm going to selectively look at the stuff that's positive. I'm not going to look at that news feed. I'm not going to look at that nonsense that's going on with uh, politics and everything else that I have zero, zero zilcho control over. Right. But if you allow it to control you, now oh, yeah, you've really lost. Yeah. And then kind of move forward in that direction.
0: You're seeing so many divisions now in uh, this country. and uh that's not what this country's all, all about. No, it's not. And uh, you know, biggest thing, our mission
1: at the academy is, uh, and it's something I've been working on for about three years now. And this, <laughs> our staff, are like, oh my gosh, we're changing it again. I said, well, I just it hasn't hasn't really fulfilled my my vision of what I want our mission to be, our why, so to speak. And there's an old saying: if your why is crystal clear, the how will make itself happen. And real quick, there is no way on earth. There is no way on earth we should have ever been able to buy that building, buy the building, buy the land, and the, the lot that, it's, 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 uh, that it sits on. Two bankruptcies, a house foreclosure, and <laughs> car repossessions. That does not make for no. a good credit rating. But what happened was after that bankruptcy in 2008, we were determined to do a better job. We didn't have, I didn't have a credit card until 2014. None. So I had no way of getting bad debt. But I had to get one uh, to start building up some credit. It was, it was 13, 2013. Anyway. Um, oh, I forgot to say, in 2012, I quit my teaching job, which my parents, again, thought I was completely cuckoo, out of my mind. What are you doing now? You've had 11 years teaching. You've got insurance. You've got benefits. You've right. got retirement. No, and you're quitting again. Yeah. Have, haven't you learned a thing? Come on. Come on. 2014, Desi quit her nursing job in April of 14, and she was my sugar mama. And she was making pretty good money, she was supporting the family. But now, and once again, that happened. But she took over all the administrative duties. Now I got some brains working <laughs> on the administrative nice, side. Nice. So, but anyway, fast forward, we uh, fill out all the applications, and we went through and got an SBA Small Business Association loan. And the guy goes through and he goes, "Oh, your credit rating is good. You got this and this." And I said, "Well, I got to tell you," I said, "You know, um, we've had two bankruptcies." And he goes. Well, it doesn't appear on here. I said, well, I don't know. He goes, well, after so many years, if you've had good credit and your credit continues to rise, it falls off. So okay. So we're going through the process, and I know it's a little side story here. This took 14 months working with a small business association, meetings literally three or four times a month to try and get this paperwork going in order to buy the building. We actually had to start a whole new business, Grogan LLC, to buy the building. And the the, uh, the parking lot. So now this is kind of crazy. This is how business works. Grogan's Academy of Martial Arts pays Grogan LLC rent to rent the building. And then Rich Grogan has to, I guess, subsidize all of that working together. So there's three branches <laughs> in order to make it work. The crazy thing is Rich Grogan signed off on all three of them. But anyway, that's just complete loony, loony, loony tunes. But um, in order to um, buy the building, there should have been no possible way. So the 11th month, we're ready to go on this stuff. We're going to sign the paperwork, and uh, we have our meeting, and the guy goes through, okay, finalized checklist. You guys haven't had any bankruptcies, have any of this and that? And there was a part of me saying, should I say something or not? Integrity kicked in and said, look, if I don't say something now, if this surface its ugly head later, right. what's that going to say about me as a person? Knowing if I say, yes, we've had bankruptcies, it's going to jeopardize this whole thing after 11 months of work. I told him, I said, you know, I said, I, I, you, you may have forgotten, but we've had two bankruptcies. I said, one in 2001, one in 2008. And he says, oh, well, let me, he pulls up the credit report. He goes, I don't see anything on here. I said, well, I said, I, I, all I know is I don't want any hangups later. I said, I don't want to get to the final, final stages of this. This was to send it to the underwriter. And that surface, She finds something. I said, besides, it's the right thing to do. He goes, well, I got to tell you you write that on here, there's a good chance you're not going to get this loan. I said, you know what? We are going to get this loan. We're going to do this. You tell me what you need. He wants all the paperwork from the 2001, 2008. And we're talking five, 600 pages worth the bankruptcy documents, I get all that crap, I send it to him. We work for another three months and it all works out. Beautiful My whole, whole point of the story is there is no way How is this gonna happen was not there, but our why, our focus, our purpose was, we are gonna do this. And if you have that attitude, you have that desire, you're willing to put forth the work, you're willing to have honor, integrity, discipline, respect, you're willing to lay it out there and do everything you can, anything is possible. But you gotta be willing, as Rocky says, to take the hits. You gotta be, and it's something, it's not that I didn't always have integrity, but 10 years ago, there's a good chance I wouldn't have told the truth. I'm just being 100% honest. But that's why I never reached a level of success because I thought that, you know what, this little time it's okay to maybe tell a lie. This, and it's not always big blatant lies, but just not be fully honest with myself. And it was those little things like that are what inhibited growth. Because my mindset was, I just show me the money. I want the money. Kind of the Jerry Maguire thing, right? Mm -hmm. But when the mindset changes, all about what can I do to be a better person? What can I do to help out others? What can I do to fulfill my dream, passion, vision, and mission, which I never actually got to, our uh, mission at the Academy is... Uh, We're making, not helping, but making our society a happier, healthier, and safer place to live by inspiring kids and adults to believe in themselves and respect others. We developed courageous and confident leaders who stand out in the crowd, who stand
0: up to bullying to live their best possible life. And, you know, it sounds like from what you just said, there's some inner spiritual world there, too. 100% right, and that's
1: total connection and harmony, mental, spiritual, and physical. And I I oftentimes... uh, shy away from saying the spiritual, I say emotional instead because I don't want people... You know, everybody's different religious belief, and that's fine. But the spiritual or emotional side, that's that inside drive, that passion, that eye of the tiger, that I'm going to do more. I'm going to be my best. And the mental side is balancing that out with positive emotion. You know, if if, if you believe in God or if you believe in Buddha or whoever, that's fine. But having that there as there is a higher power somewhere out there that knows more than I do. Something told
0: you, though, inside, tell him the truth. Oh, yeah. Something said – don't hide this. It's going to come back to haunt us. Yep, one hundred percent. And
1: um, I mentioned this on the podcast a few times ago about the acronym for ego, or ego is an acronym for edging got out, edging got out, and edging got out means your ego is so high that you I know everything. And my ego was extremely high going through my teens, my twenties, even my early thirties. I knew everything about everything. And it backfired. It backfired. It really. And that's the message I try and share with these kids. Yes, be confident. Be bold. Believe in yourself, but darn it, check your ego have and realize. Have that compass
0: on that uh, in the seas. Yeah, you yeah. got to have that compass. Well,
1: that's that's a great example, John. Oh, you're exactly right. You what can't I-
0: just get in that ship. You could have the best ship in the world. And once uh, you're lost, you don't don't have anything to guide you. Man, that is a great example. And
1: uh, that compass is your goal. You have set that goal. You have set that destination. You have set that path in order to get there. Now, here's my thing, another thing. I was never a lack for working hard. But working hard and being productive are two totally opposite things. I compare myself now to a dog chasing its tail around in a circle. That dog is working its butt off, literally.
0: <laughs> really?
1: But what does it get when it catches its tail? It drops it and then does it again. Right. So I was a dog spinning in circles, wearing a hole in the ground, being busy. But I wasn't being productive. I wasn't going anywhere. And kind of a funny thing, one of our last uh, staff meetings – I always try and find little funny uh, pictures that we put up there, just kind of a, a humorous thing. And it was a dog holding its tail or uh, biting on its tail, sitting in a chair and writing in his journal. I finally did it. I caught my tail. What does tomorrow hold? <laughs> <laughs> What's tomorrow hold? So, anyway, now, do crazy you stuff. Are,
0: do your instructors at all, uh, if a kid has some sort of a problem uh, emotionally and uh, he's showing it out there, uh, do they take them to the side and talk to them at all, or do you guys don't want to get into anything like that? Oh, no, no. That's uh, um,
1: that's a big part of what we do. And um, we like to think of ourselves as as a, family. as a problem solvers, but more importantly, life changers. We're going to help this kid. Now, I'll tell you, the old school way was, knock that crap off or you're going out. Right. Almost the embarrassing factor. If you embarrass them a little bit, then they're going to be much better for it. Well, yes, I guess if you embarrass them a little bit, they're going to learn from it, Maybe but that's not a true connection. That's not making that kid be who they were born to be. That's not helping them excel. So we do talk to them, but it's more of a motivating, thing. hey buddy, here's the kind of different difference between, all right, can, can you please sit properly? Can you please knock that off? Can you please not do that? Now we're still saying please, which I ingrained in the instructors, we never deliberately tell anybody to do anything first. We ask, hey, could you please make a better choice? Can you please do this? I'm asking, and the reason that's so powerful is, I never, I never like being told what to do. I still don't like being told what to do. Nobody likes being told what to do. But if you say, please, now you're asking them to make a better choice mm-hmm. and make a better choice. Now, if they don't make the better choice, then we unfortunately have to make the choice for them. But we've actually taken it a step further. Now, instead of directing that child, it would be, Oh, my gosh, look at the way O's sitting. He is sitting like a black belt. Man, who else wants to be a black belt in here? That's a great example. Mm. So amplify and then also uh, uh, shine the light on the person that's doing good as an example. So how the heck does that make John feel? Whoa. I'm going to be a black belt, yes, and all the other kids, boom. Look,
0: look at Jono.
1: You doggone right. Jono's doing a good thing, so Jono's getting praised as opposed to Richie getting disciplined for being a squirm worm. You know what right. I mean? <laughs> right,
0: right. So
1: it's a whole different mindset. But you achieve this. You achieve a better uh, example. You achieve a better student instead of Richie. I've had it with you. G- get over there. You're in timeout. Okay, I screwed up again. And what does that do? That continues to deflate me and all i'm doing is being me i'm hyperactive i got a lot of energy i'm sitting here and i'm bored you know so what am i gonna do i'm gonna screw up but now wait a minute Jono's going to be a black belt. That's my goal. I want to be a black belt. I need to do what Jono's right. doing. Right. So you're rewarding, you're praising the good behavior, but by doing that, you're also helping the others. Now, there comes a time when a kid, if they really are having difficulty, we will pull them off to the side and say, hey, I need you to help me out, buddy. I want you to make a better choice because I want you to be your best. Come on now. So it's a little more of a connection instead of a, uh, and I never call it constructive criticism because the word criticism is still There. There. I mean, well, but I'm mean being constructive, but yet you're still criticizing. How about constructive structuring? How about constructive building?
0: How about constructive uh, developing? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's amazing because it's the same concept as your martial arts because you're, you told me one time when you throw your fist, use his fist when he's going <laughs> in that angle, use that as advantage. Use everything as advantage. You're using this kid's negativity as his advantage to move on positively.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's just a a way of helping them be their very, very best. And it's kind of, um, you know, what's the old saying? Uh, You you get more or you catch more flies with honey. What do you use? Use the stick or the carrot, which motivates the horse more. Well, there's stuff to be said on both sides. But what we try and do is we try and set them up for success. And we find on the back end by kind of having that approach, then they know we care. And a child, it doesn't matter how disruptive or or how much of a pain in the butt some kids can be, every child seeks approval. Every child seeks that acceptance, that, hey, good job, buddy. I'm proud of you. Good. Instead of saying, oh, boy. Jono's here tonight. It's going to be one heck of a night because I know he's going to screw up. I go into it with the wrong mental attitude. Now, I'm telling you this because I went in with that attitude for a number of years, but I kept fighting those battles. So there's got to be a better way, and that's searching for a better connection.
0: Better connection. uh, Uh, You see it so many times in uh, classes where a teacher puts a kid in the back. You've already shunned that kid off. You've already ostracized that kid. To be on his own the whole semester. Yep. I mean, uh, you, you get you get everything involved, and that's that's beautiful, Rich. Well, and that's the, uh, the our thing is because parents are coming all the time and say, "Oh my gosh,
1: my kid's been diagnosed with ADD, ADHD, and every other D." And I said, "Look, I mastered in D's. I got them all: OCD, <laughs> uh, ADD, ADHD, and any other D's you're gonna throw at me here." I said, "But it's all about we're gonna set parameters and boundaries." The, for the kiddos here, but we're going to let them be who they are. We're going to let them expand. Now, honor, integrity, discipline, respect, our core values, it has to the form in there, but we're going to help them grow because I've never been a believer in the cookie cutter model, where they just cookie. Everybody's the same doggone cookie. I was a cookie that spilt all over the plate. I'm still burning on the bottom of the freaking stove. So I don't want anybody to try and, now there aren't, there needs to be boundaries. I don't want them making as many goofy mistakes. That's why I try and get out and let them know a better way. But by doing that, you're crushing kids' spirits. And when a crushed spirit, and uh, one of my favorite movies of all time is Sin of a Woman. Have you seen mm, Sin of a Woman? Of course. Oh, my gosh. Of course. Yeah, that speech he gave at the end. Oh, my gosh. In there front is of that nothing, student council. There is nothing that can uh, for an amputated soul or amputated spirit he talked about. And that hits me. Oh, my gosh. I'm getting goosebumps right now. And that's the truth. You crush a kid's spirit, you've demoralized them. Now, I'll admit, mine's been crushed many times. But- Thanks. I mean, and and the thing is, Dad never meant to do that. I don't want people to think I'm picking on Dad. He did the best he could do with what he had.
0: And that's just the way he was taught. That's just the way
1: he was taught, exactly. And the truth is, he didn't really have much of a family growing up. He was kind of on his own, never had more than eighth-grade education. So he didn't know. He just knew that the world was a tough place, a boy named Sue, the Johnny Cash song.
0: And he was scarred by city kids. Yes, and he
1: was scarred by city kids, right. But it was that perseverance that taught me to get back up. But a lot of times kids don't have that. They right. don't have that drive. They, and that's the beauty about this book. When I, I need to get my tail in gear on it. And it's done, but it needs to be more of a page turner. Right now it's just kind of random thoughts. But our, view, our listeners are all used to that. But uh, it's all about, look, be that square peg. Don't cram yourself in that proverbial round hole because there's over 400 billion people in this world You are one different than anybody else. There is no one that is made up just like you are, Jono. There's no one as smart as you are, no one as creative as you are, no one as good-looking as you are. You've got a special talent that nobody else has. But unfortunately, most people, it's safe to fit inside that proverbial hole. And why is that? Because when you step out of that hole, that's when you're punished. You're punished by society for being an outcast. Now, I am never and nor will I ever talk about being disorderly, unruly, disrespectful, and uh, being a vigilante, if you will. I'm talking about respecting yourself enough to have the honor, integrity, discipline, respect to step out and be who you were born to be in a respectful manner, not breaking the law and anything else, but do that. But most people don't step outside that proverbial round hole out of fear of what others think and out of fear of being made fun of and everything else. It's much easier just to stand in that hole and, okay, I'm not comfortable here, but it's a heck of a lot more comfortable than out there when everybody's going to be rude to me. And when you right. do that, you, you you continue to populate the most – well, The wealthiest place on the – I the, uh, can't even talk here. When you stay in that proverbial hole, you continue to populate the wealthiest place on earth. Do you know what the wealthiest place on earth is? Tell me. Cemetery. Cemetery. So many dreams, so many visions, so many great musicians, so many great athletes, so many great singers, actresses, and actors have gone to the cemetery with their song unsung because they were afraid to step out of that proverbial round hole. Hmm. They're afraid to be made
0: fun of. Yeah. Is wow. That, is that deep? I'll tell you what, a Rich uh, – it really has enlightened me a little bit about you, man. I mean, uh, for people out there that listen to the show and all we see is uh, – or all we hear is uh, Rich's motivation, I mean, this, guy, this guy's this guy been knocked down. This guy's been knocked down, man. I mean, uh, how many times have you faced almost a curtain closing in on you and you said, you know what, I'm still not done. Yeah. I'm still not – and you gave – you gave it up again. Eleven year, uh, teaching. Now, I, if that was my daughter, I would say this guy's insane. <laughs> this guy's gotta be losing his mind because you know what? He just went through that, and now he's going through this again. And no, you, you want you want this to happen. Again. It, it's a, it's amazing. You had the compass, though. You had the compass, had, and uh, you followed it. And I, you're exactly right. And that's uh, that's a
1: great analogy. I'm going to use that a lot. Set that compass. And that Compass, uh, listeners out there, that's your goal, that's your why. And it, it said, and I, when in 2012 I didn't know the why purpose, but surrounded myself with other people, I knew I could do, I wanted to do better. And I wanted to do better to achieve my mission in life, which is inspiring and motivating as many people as I can to believe in themselves to be their absolute, very, very best. You have the why, why you're doing something. And it has to be more than why well, I'm doing it because I want to make money. I've already told you that does not work. I wanted to make money because I wanted to be a big shot. Well, it never happened. It never happened. When I changed my focus on what it should have been, why I want to do this, because I truly want to help others. I want to help others. And Zig Ziglar says it better than anything else. How do you get everything else, how do you get everything you want in life? By helping enough others get what they want. Condition yourself to be your best so you can help the others become their very, very best. All you focus on is the gold or the silver, as it says in a Bible, It'll fly to the heavens quicker than you can contain it. But if you focus on being your best, then you become a success inside and out.
0: Thank you so much, my friend.
1: You were on this show. Thank you so much for taking the time, Jono. This has been great. This has been fun. Uh, Listeners out there, I'm telling you what, check out my man Jono here. He's got several different shows uh, highlighted by the Cowboys podcast. Even if you're not a Cowboys fan, listen to that one. It's a good one. And he's got the Ocho Man and the Armenian show. All right. Well, as you know, we've well, we've went way over on this one, but man, what a great show. Um Lineupmedia.fm. Check us out. There is a ton of, ton of things out there. Obviously, I hope you uh, not only subscribe to this podcast, the Kickin' Life podcast, you share it with others, you tell others about it, and that's how we're going to continue to spread our message of making our society a happier, healthier, and safer place to live with people who believe in themselves and respect themselves in order to respect others. And, of course, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And then, of course, you know www.kickinlifepodcast.com. Thank you so very much for taking time to be with us. Make sure you tune in again next week. Another exciting episode. i got another special guest coming in next week. And we're going to continue rocking this thing out to help you live your best kick in life. John,
0: any closing remarks there, buddy? Oh, man, that was great. Thank you so much for having me on the show.
1: Thank you, buddy. I really, really appreciate you taking the time. All right, everyone. Until we talk again, you get out there and do your best. And I promise you'll be your very best. Have a blessed day, everybody. Talk to you real soon. Bye-bye.